Well, good morning and a Merry Christmas to you. What a great morning to be together. Numbers chapter 6, don't stand just yet. Numbers chapter 6 is where we're going to be in just a moment. And we'll look at a text there this morning. And we'll consider a few thoughts that the Lord might have for us that we could put into application today and this week as we close out the year as well. And, uh, and we'll look forward to time shared at the conclusion of the service. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them. And then this is a great priestly prayer that God asked him to pray over his people. Verse 24, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Let me say a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we love you. We are grateful to be together uh, this morning in your house, church family. Lord, to look at your word and uh, Lord, just to ponder once again the gift of your son and what that implication is for each of us. And Lord, the peace you brought, uh, Lord, to us, not just in this life, but in the one to come. And we are eternally grateful. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to find a point of application that would be a help to us uh, this week and this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, my wife and I have had several uh, children, and I am very, very grateful to be out of the baby phase of life. And I know some people enjoy that, and it was great while it lasted, but I'm also glad that it's over. I have learned that babies have some basic needs in order to thrive. Um, they need things like milk or nourishment, shelter, clothes, fresh diapers, which I wish they didn't need. I'm very glad when we threw away the last diaper. But beside all of those things, babies need a human face as well. Uh, they need the attention that a face gives. A baby will lie in a crib, and, um, and that's all they can do, really. They can only lie there. And it isn't for a few years before they become mobile and able to play and they're kind of helpless. But when they see their mother's face and the face smiles back, the baby realizes that someone's watching, um, that someone's paying attention, that there's a presence there, and, and there's a response there, and that what the baby does counts. And so the baby has joy and anger or sorrow, and those things are often reflected in the face of another. Psychologists have given this term attunement, attunement. The baby realizes it is possible to somehow be connected, though it can't get up or can't reach or can't walk yet, but it can be connected to another human being through the face. Uh, not even through physical touch, but just through the human, through human face. The face becomes the mirror through which the child learns. Whether it's a source of delight or whether the child's a disappointment. And a child simply cannot survive without the face. The face is what tells the baby that it matters. And that's not just true for babies, is it? Um, this morning I had to have a conversation with one of my sons, and the door had to be closed. And so we're talking, and it was just talk. But, but my face communicated something, some correction, and then tears came down the face. That's called attunement. Again, um, it's the face. This man named Gerald Egg Egan, he did a study uh, with the classroom, and he picked this, this professor who was especially um, monotone and colorless in his communication. He was boring. Or have you had a professor like that before? 
So at a pre-range signal, he asked the students in the classroom to switch from a, a slouched, passive, and no eye contact posture to leaning forward and looking attentively at the teacher. The teacher had had his head down and was rumbling through his notes, and he began to gradually respond as the students responded to him. So as they responded positively with eye contact and interest, he, he began to gesture and get excited. He looked at the students. He, he spoke in a faster and more energetic rate. And at another signal, the students switched back to their old style, slouched, uh, no eye contact, passive. And, and, and the researcher wrote, the teacher, after some painful seeking for continued reinforcement, reverted to his old monotone. What's the point? Well, bad preaching is not entirely my fault. <laughs> you, you weren't supposed to laugh that hard at that. That was, that was supposed to be a little chuckle. That's not the point at all, actually. All right. The point is that even right now, as we look at each other, as you look at my face and I look at yours, there is a measure of attunement that's taking place. The facial interaction between us matters. One of life's great miracles is simply this. God pays attention to us. Just like a parent would pay attention to their child, but on a scale that we can't even begin to imagine or understand, God pays attention to your life today and, and to mine. And here in Numbers chapter 6, God is instructing Moses on how to govern and rule the nation of Israel, a people that he loved dearly and that he chose to bless. And sure, he's laying out the rules. And yes, he's telling them what to do and what his expectations of them were and, and how he wanted them to minister to him. But part of God's instructions to Moses and to, was simply this, I want you to bless, bless the people. I want them to be blessed in my name. I want them to know that they're special to me, that I love them, that I'm paying attention to them, and that they have my face. This is partly why the, the, the writers of Scripture often speak of God's face. This is the hope of the great priestly blessing that God Himself taught the children of Israel. The idea is simply this, that God turns His face toward us. You ever been speaking to someone before? And you get the proverbial, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and maybe they're working on the car or writing a letter or on their computer or phone or whatever the case may be. And you're speaking and they're not paying attention to you. And they're saying, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you say something like this. You're not listening to me. Now, did they hear you? And they'll say, yeah, I heard you. I can repeat every word you said. But that's not what we're after, is it? We want them to do this. I'm doing this, and I'm going to turn my face to you. And I'm going to talk to you. And I'm going to listen to you and, and pay attention to you. And that's what God does to us. It's not someone who just is listening without intent. It's someone who's listening with deep care. And God makes His face to shine upon us, the Bible says. And this blessing says that God will not only turn His face toward us, but it's a shining face toward us. You ever been at a, at, a, at a baseball game, maybe with your children, or maybe you've seen another, seen another parent with this, maybe it's a football game or whatever, some competition, or maybe it's a child here who plays a, a song, or just a moment ago, uh, Jesse's son singing. And if you watch the parent's face, what does it do? <laughs> it's beaming, it's, it's shining. 
Um, one of the gifts that I bought my son Ethan last night, and he, he's, um, he's eight, and this was not with his mother's approval, but with her disapproval, but anyway, uh, we won't go there. So I went to Atwoods and I saw this really cool uh, saw, tree limb saw, you know, that you can clip on your belt. I thought, he will love that. And Elizabeth wasn't so sure about it, but he opened it last night and his face was beaming. He just got the biggest smile on his face from that. And what did that do to me? I just look at that. I love that face. Now, hopefully he doesn't chop his arm off with it, (laughs) but I love that face. And that's the kind of face that God turns toward us. It's a proud parent. he's, He's happy with us. He grows radiant when he sees us and observes us. And this is the prayer. It's how God loves us. That God pays special attention to you and to me. In contrast, to lose God's loving attention was to those in the Bible an abomination. It was to lose everything. And the psalmist wrote in Psalms 27 verse 8, When thou said, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. And then he writes this, Hide not thy face far from me. What's the psalmist communicating? God said, seek my face. And he says, God, I'm going to seek your face. And I want your face. I I want your shining face. Turn toward me. And he says, don't hide your face from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. What was Jesus' biggest angst when he died on the cross after coming to earth as a baby and living his life for us? What was his biggest angst? It wasn't the physical pain and suffering and torment, though that was unimaginable and it was awful. But his biggest angst was that God the Father would turn his back, turn his face from him. And that was the psalmist cry. Don't hide your face from me. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And I want you to know this morning that God will never hide his face from you. That Jesus eternally paid that sin debt for us. Jesus came to earth. The Son of God. He was born for us. And he paid attention to people. In John 9, we read about a beggar sitting on the side of the road. No one paid him attention. No one turned their face toward him. He would cry out for help and others would simply pass by. People ignored him. They walked by him. But then Jesus walked by. And as John gives us the account of the story, he says, and as Jesus passed by. And then he gives us these next few words. He saw a man. He saw a man. Now it goes on to describe the man which was blind from his birth. The man was begging, he was crying for help. Well, others passed by, Jesus passed along, and he saw a man. He paid attention to him. He saw others. And here's the first miracle of the story, that Jesus saw what was invisible to other people. He saw the hurt, the disappointment. He saw a life that was lived in dependence and anonymity. He saw the hopelessness of a life that was being lived in an endless night. Jesus' spiritual sight was in sharp contrast often to our lack of spiritual sight and the lack of spiritual sight of those in his day. He saw a short tax collector despised by others who climbed into a tree to see him. And he stopped and he looked up. He saw a woman who was desperate for healing in a crowd of people. He watched and he observed a widow who gave her last might, the Bible says. She put it in the offering box. And he watched 
And don't you know in that moment, his face shined. He saw the hopelessness. He saw unimportant little children that the crowd was trying to run off. And he said, don't run them off. They're important to me. I see them. All throughout Jesus' life story, there are various verbs that accompany the idea of to see. And we find it all over Scripture. And, and I want you to know this morning that that's never changed. The same Jesus who walked the earth thousands of years ago, He's still present, His Spirit still works, and He still sees. And He still observes, and He sees you this morning, and He pays attention to you. The Bible says that He knows the very number of hairs on your head. That's not as hard for Him to know on some of us as it is for others, but He knows them. He notices the sparrow that falls, and don't you know that you're infinitely more important than any little bird? that might pass away this morning. The psalmist said, you have searched me. And then he says this, and you've known me. He pays attention to you. He knows you today. And a love like that is centered on us. That kind of love demands that we both return it and that we pass it on. This morning, we too need to see. We need to see the Lord and we need to see others that are in our lives. We need to observe them and contemplate them and take time to think, to think about the world. He asked us to consider and to look at the birds. Something as simple as that. That we might consider the lilies in the field, the tiniest of flowers. That we might observe and see the world in which God's placed us in and to think about His presence and His love for us. To think about His Word. To see and observe and understand that His face shines upon you. That He's paying attention to you. That He loves you. To see the love that He not just has for you, but the great big heart that beats in His chest that, that was sung just about just a moment ago. That has a love for those in your life. We need to pay attention to God. Christmas is almost over. But let's not today... Let today go by without contemplating God. The gift of His Son who was born to die. Maybe today or this year, as you, this, this next week as you have extra time before the new year starts, um, you might just take some extra time and pay attention in a quiet moment to God. But in order to do this, you're going to have to still your mind. Your mind's going to have to be quieted. Because we live in a busy, fast-paced world, even at this time of year. Psalms 131 verse 1 says, The Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. And then he says this, Surely I have behaved and quieted myself. Don't you know that there are moments for all of us that even when it's quiet in the house, the mind is still racing? doesn't matter how early in the morning I get up and how dark it is outside and how still things are. Inside here and inside here, things can still be really busy, can't they? We all know that. And the psalmist says, I have stilled, I have quieted myself. He says, and then he gives this illustration. As a child that is weaned of his mother, my soul is even as a weaned child. You know, there's a big difference between a weaned child and an unweaned child. 
An unweaned child has learned that noise leads to the satisfaction of desires. The baby cries, cries louder, throws a fit and screams and shakes its arms and legs. And what does mama do? Or dad or whoever, they come running. And even if she doesn't, for some reason, that little head, they think it brings some type of relief. But what about the weaned child? Well, a weaned child is capable of stillness. A weaned child begins to realize that the mother has a life of her own, that there are things she has to do and that she is interested in, besides just meeting the, the needs of that little human. The, more, the mother is more than simply than one that just exists to satisfy needs. But there's a catch, isn't there? Children rarely, rarely volunteer for the weaning process because it's painful and it's costly. Weaning means learning to live in stillness, learning to live with unfulfilled desires, things that I want and I want this fixed and I want this problem solved and I want this in my life and I want these financial difficulties absolved and all of this relational tension that I'm experiencing and I want it all fixed, God. But sometimes our desires go unmet. And that's the difference between an unweaned soul and a weaned soul. A weaned soul says, I don't have to have everything. The world doesn't have to be perfect. God doesn't have to live up to my expectations. And I can sit in quietness and stillness before Him and give Him my attention. God is more than just the meter of my needs. I don't just come to him to ask him for things. Is that part of our relationship? Yes. Is it the only way to relate to him? Not in the least. He's not just there to meet your needs. He's there to relate to. He's there to love. He's there for us to both have his face shine on us and have our faces and our attention turned back toward him. How often is God at work? Seeking to speak to me, if only I would listen. How many moments pass us by and we miss an opportunity to hear God's whispering voice because our minds are not still, because our souls aren't weaned, and we're just like the child, screaming and crying, the busy, active heart, and we miss God's voice, and we miss the relationship and sometimes we just miss the real meaning of Christmas and the reason he came. It was to die for us so that he could relate to us because he loves us and his face shines brightly upon us. We need to pay attention to God today, this week, as we enter the new year, and we need to pay attention to others. See, the attention or lack of attention that you give other people affects them in dramatic ways. Aaron was to speak to the children of Israel and give them attention and ask God to give them his special attention because attention is a powerful thing. Now, sometimes we hide behind gift giving as a means of not giving attention to other people. See, we think we can substitute attention by cooking a good meal or busily cleaning the house. We do everything but sit quietly and take interest in another human being. That is not to diminish gifts or other activities. These things are important, but they pale in comparison on the important scale to giving attention to the loved ones and to those in your life. 
Jesus looked at Martha. And here she was, boy, she's cooking and she's cleaning and she's doing all this work and she's missing the whole point of his presence. And we do that. Well, you get so busy with all the holiday trappings and everything going on. And today is going to be a great day, but let's not miss the quiet moments where we can invest our attention into the life of another human being and not hide behind busyness and presence, but actually invest in them and pay attention and ask questions. See, the greatest gift we can give a child is not a toy. The greatest gift we can give a child is our attention. Friday night was my, my birthday. And so Elizabeth had the kids go around the table and say something they were thankful for about their dad. And after 40 minutes of silence, um, <laughs> one of them said, Dad's cool. My dad is cool. And I thought, where's my wallet? I'm going to pay that child, right? <laughs> but another one of them said this. He said, I'm grateful that dad spends time with us. Now, look, I feel like the biggest parental failure when it comes to time with my children. It's a, it's a goal of mine ongoing to spend more time with them, to take better interest in them, to engage them. I, I always feel this ache like I'm not spending enough time with them. But the thing they were most grateful for was the things that I buy them or how cool I am, which is, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so I spend time with them. The greatest gift you can give someone that you love is your time, it's your attention, it's your face. Ask questions. Stop what you're doing. Don't be so busy. Listen with interest. Express sediment. How about bless them? Don't be weird about it. Don't get out this Bible passage and just read it to them. But bless them and be a blessing to them. Today we could all do this. We could ask for God's divine favor to rest upon those in your life. In a moment we're going to conclude. And we could all pray this prayer. Pray for God to bless and protect those that you love, just like God instructed Aaron to do over the children of Israel. Pray for God to bless them, to protect them, that God would smile and that he would be pleased with them and with their life, that God would be grace, gracious to them, that he'd be merciful and compassionate with those that you love, that God would show them his favor, that he would grant them his approval, and that God would give those people peace. We can all pray the same kind of prayer over those that we care about. That's the kind of gift you can give that will really make a difference in the life of another person today. There's a quote by a lady named Virginia Owens, and she said, God crowds upon us from shoal to the sea. He jostles our thoughts along the pathways in our brains. He hides in the bushes, jumping out in flames to startle us into seeing. He sequesters himself in stables and swaddling. So as to take us unawares, he veils himself in flesh, the same flesh that drips into fingers at the end of my arms and sprouts into hair on my head. You see, one way that God shows his favor and his love to us is through us into the lives of others. 
He uses us to show his favor. He uses us to show his attention. So let's be his instrument today, this week, this year. See, the gift of God's Son in Jesus wasn't just that he saved us. He came because he was paying attention to us. He knew our greatest needs. His face did shine and continues to shine upon us. He brought us peace. But we have to take it. We have to embrace it. We need to share it. It's the same kind of attention that we can give back to him and that we can give back to others. And I hope and pray that you will today. Let me ask you to stand today with heads bowed and eyes closed.